Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, and Jackson. I am staring into the eyes of the Air Alliance team camera, and I want to issue a statement at the outset. I apologize that I was sick last Thursday and Friday. And I know what happens with sick days. People assume people are just taking days off. Those are unfortunate assumptions, although probably oftentimes accurate. <laughs> However, took my son to the Blues and uh, Buffalo Sabres Thursday. Uh, at this point, Jackson, would that be 11 days ago? Yeah. And he got ill that night. Mm. Three days later, my soon-to-be two-year-old got ill, which was brutal to see because... Any of you who have been parents and had young children who have no idea what the hell's going on when they get sick, it breaks your heart. And he, I mean, he was getting sick every, it was like like egg timer every 10 minutes. Right. And it went on from 440 until 1030 that night. Oof. And then, uh, then my wife and I were like, oh, I guess we're in the clear. And then I got hit and I got hit hard, brother, mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. But then I was thought I was fine on Thursday afternoon and then I wound up sleeping again until 11 on Friday. So I don't know what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. I had somebody DM me and said they lost 10 pounds with this thing. So I'm sure some people have gotten it. I really don't like to, to I, mean, I know people say it, but I, I don't like it because it was actually I don't like I don't I don't like it on TMA because then it puts the onus on you to run point and then you have to do all the producing in addition. And then here, as I was just saying to Randy and, and Brooke, then they got to do another hour. Right. You know? Right. And that sucks. So I hate it. I really, it's not like I'm like, oh, sweet, I'll go and hang out. Right. I mean, I'm in effing bed. It's not like I'm doing anything. Yeah. Uh, And then it comes with a price. So, you know, vacation day is vacation day, but this was no vacation day. So, missed the program, but Jackson... We are back. I'd like to think my health will be fine uh, throughout uh, the remainder of the year. But hey, you know what? You never know. You never know. You look great. Thank you. I think I'm hot. You look better in that cardigan. Thank you. You know, Matt Rocchio was assuming that the texters, 314-399-9646, and the great people in the YouTube chat would mock the cardigan. And I said, I said, I like a nice cardigan. I think it's kind of something that comes with my Irish American heritage or or the uh, cable knit sweaters and cardigans. Right. I think I like a nice cardigan. Are you wearing that for today's holiday party? Uh, in part, it's the, the jersey themed. Yeah, what I, jersey are you wearing? I have my. Uh, are you wearing your Ladue jersey? No, no, no. I was actually mulling over because I went to my parents' house where I guess I keep a bunch of the jerseys I used to wear, and I have 
multiple slew high jerseys from when i went to slew high basketball camp and i was thinking about breaking that bad boy out i actually wouldn't mind wearing it since i never got to wear one but it's like a penny so like that's a lot of <laughs> chest cleavage on my part showing and i don't think people need to see that what are you going with then? i have a uh, it's gotta a be jersey. like a mizzou damari carroll no i have a jersey of uh old boston number zero jason tatum jersey oh nice that, that i'll be wearing yeah under this cardigan but the card i guess that was part of the reason yeah, the cardigan's sharp thank you you know it's not. Do you wear that out? Like your sleepless in sure, Seattle shirt? Sure. How do the the twenty somethings like that? The ladies? No, they like it. It's a it's a stylish look. It's not the clothes that make the man. It's the man who makes the clothes. Wonderful. And if John Hamm can pull it off, I don't see why I can't. And you and you turned like a director said, camera four. Yeah. And you turned and looked at it. Yeah. Well, that yeah, was nice. You know, it's like that's the key with any person on cameras. You got to be able to find your camera. Absolutely. Well, that's step one. And so once I found my camera, I just gave him the old blue eyes. The only jersey I've ever worn when really competing for anything was my Poker Stars uh, <laughs> <Bad jerseys. laughs> jersey. I was sponsored by Poker Stars okay. when I played in the World Series of Poker. Did they, did they have like so a number? So I actually have like a jacket. Do you have like a number? Was so that's a what number? I got. I got the Poker Stars ad and whatever patches that were on there. Nice. That's my jersey. Yeah. So I don't have... I didn't, I, I got cut from everything. Mm-hmm. And now, because it only makes sense, I go on the radio and then I criticize the people who can do it and make millions of dollars and then retire when they're like 30. But I got cut from everything and then I tell them why they're not good. Well, do you understand it? Because you know better. Thank you. You know better. Thank you. Getting cut was a, that was politics. I was. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't, if I didn't get cut from St. Louis U High, I would still be playing in perhaps a variety of professional sports. I think you'd be the fifth starter for the Cardinals. Thank you for saying, well, that's possible. But in this particular case, all I can represent is poker stars, and I will bring it out. And plus, there was a cute little visor that came with it, too. Is that right? Like a like one of those green visors that's uh, like someone uh, working no, a book? it was black with the poker stars logo. Nice, nice. And uh, it's tough for me, though, because the, the visor looked like it was like, <laughs> a, like a rocket launch. It was like a leaning tower of Pisa <laughs> yeah. on my skull. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's what I got uh, here. So we have the holiday party for uh, Hubbard Radio St. Louis coming up. Jackson and I will be doing QFTA. That is kind of a non-sports podcast that we do and that'll be live on the uh, TMA YouTube channel youtube.com slash TMASTL coming up at 1130 you can partake in that live chat on this one though uh, we haven't talked in a few days on this program and there's been a lot that's been going on and uh, one of the things going on I could be off on this, and I'm curious. I don't know if it's the lead. I feel like there there isn't an obvious lead. It's kind of where I was today. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. I think that this is the most intense... I don't know what the right word is. I'm trying to think of it. It's probably not that important. None of this is important, actually. <laughs> I just had a moment of just took realization. It just took a quarter century of doing this to realize it. Uh People are disenfranchised with the Blues in this season more so at this moment than any other time, Uh, which is, I don't want to say it's odd, but it's a real change in six days because they were coming off of a hell of a win and then going, oh, okay, home to take on Vegas, probably not going to win back-to-back games against Vegas, but then... Friday and Saturday against a couple teams that aren't necessarily real good mm-hmm. in CBJ and the Blackhawks, and then 11 of 15, this thing might be able to, to put themselves in a position to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs based on 
starting right now. Use that momentum from beating Vegas in their building last Monday to, yeah, if you don't beat Vegas on Wednesday night, fine, but at least get, you know, two or three points out of Columbus and Chicago. And then, God, 11 of 15 at home, here we go. And then instead you get the performances that you get, the early goals, some calling out, I felt like, post-game from Braden Shin. Uh, from his, do we have that sound, by the way? I didn't even call for it, but you're the kind of guy who might just have it ready. I feel we just wow. pick and choose when we want to turn up the intensity meter in, in hockey games. And um, you're not going to win like that in this league. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Um, you know, the teams that are below us in the standings, we feel like we don't have to start on time. And um, it's resulting in losses. And that's just the reality of it. You don't have the an- simple answer for it, but why is that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I did have the answer, but it's it's just coming ready to play and, and uh, you know, taking pride in, in doing the work and putting in the work uh, each and every night. And, and uh, like I said, you, you just can't, you know, it's not everyone, but you just can't choose when you when you want to show up. Is the onus on each individual to do that, or, or does the leadership group maybe has to take the reins here and, and, and get everybody pulling on the same rope, I guess? I mean... At the end of the day, uh, yeah, leadership can step up, but we're not responsible for, for guys in their gear. They have to they have to go out and play and play hard. So yeah, we have to get guys on the on the same page, and um, we f- we feel like our locker room's fine. It just it's just um, you know, like I said, we're we're picking and choosing when we want to play. Jackson, oftentimes you've pulled me aside and said, "Teach me how to own people's souls," mm-hmm. and I said, "I can I can try to. I don't know if it's just a gift." Or if it's a learned skill from, as referenced earlier in the program, the poker that I played and was, of course, sponsored by Poker Stars. I love the term learned. Do you really? Anytime you can put in learned. If you got one guy wearing a cardigan and another guy saying learned, yeah. you have a show that resonates oh, yeah. in St. Louis. Ivory Tower Hour. <laughs> Ooh, I kind of like that name. Now that we come up on our second anniversary, the Ivory Tower Hour. One is Jesuit educated. Another went to Ledoux and they use big words. It's Ivory Tower Hour. Uh, You don't need to have that sixth sense of owning souls to read between the lines, the pauses in Shen's answers with his frustration. To me, he actually exhibited leadership by what he was doing there was biting his tongue. That's what I felt as well. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it really is kind of a shame. Oh, it's not kind of a shame. It is a shame because there was an opportunity this past week. And it's not like it's over at all by any means, but it's getting frustrating. And if there is a statistic that is the most damning statistic of this season to date. Do you know what it is? Because I'm going to give you a chance because it is, you know, I, I don't know how many people are aware of it. I'm sure a lot of people in this audience have heard about it. But I think even like, do you know it? Oh, and I want to let you have a chance to shine. This is great. I got two. I got two guesses. Holy crap. The first one, which I think has to be, is if the Blues go down one nothing, they lose the game. That has been the case minus the uh, opener against the Kraken. And then the second one is the power play? Uh, the home opener, that is. Well, where are you going with that? Well, that they can't score or... Even shoot? But, 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 okay. The Blues have seven power play goals on the season. Yeah. They have seven shorthanded goals on the season. And that is what I shall hold up as my beautiful little baby for this morning's presentation. You know, I mean, that is... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. That's rough. I mean, that is... 
That's yeah. Ah. I saw in the athletic that they said that the Blues just denied the power play. <laughs> like when it comes, like now we'll continue. We're good. We'll actually have the same chance of scoring a goal if you send one of our guys off. Yeah, it is rough. And yes, when they fall behind, and in both Columbus and Chicago, they fell behind early. It's rough, and it's a, it's it's a shame. But at the same time, uh, they have an opportunity here with eleven of fifteen. It's just a shame because the opportunity you thought was going to start, and I think the team did too. And then you fall behind early, and it's just. And then when you get a guy like Braden Shen biting his tongue like that, I think it also that conveys to me. He said a lot without saying a lot, and I know it's super cliche, but for him to be that frustrated speaks volumes. So uh, that's, you know, hey, you got you got Detroit, and you got Ottawa, and let's see what happens. Blues and Red Wings pregame 530 here uh, tomorrow night on 101 ESPN, and then the Blues and Senators pregames at 6 p.m. on Thursday. But, uh, man, it would have been nice to be running into that with, uh, with picking up at least two or four points, much less all four, against two teams that probably aren't going to be uh, cup contenders when April rolls around. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646, the YouTube chat. I'm sure active. It's great to be back here on Balloon Party. Driven by Munganass Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota, Jeremy Rutherford with us at 1045 here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. Jackson's Cardigan Day. That's what today is here on Balloon Party. Uh, we're giving away tickets, Jackson. We are. Uh, 101 ESPN is your chance to score a pair of tickets to Def Leppard and Journey with Cheap Trick on July 6th at Bush Stadium. Tickets for Def Leppard, Journey, Cheap Trick at Bush go on sale this Friday, December 15th. Or you can text in now to 314 314- 399-9646 for your chance to win free tech tickets to the show. You can also find a bonus chance to register to win tickets to Def Leppard and Journey at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. There it is. So we're going to give those away to the best text? Yeah. All right. Sounds like a plan. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford coming up at 1045. Really looking forward to talking it over with him about this weekend for the Blues and kind of the state of things because this, uh, this is a little rough doings at this particular moment. Uh, Jackson, I, I want to get something. I, but what are the people talking about the most here? I saw the weekend wrap-ups. Nothing against you. You know I, I'm a Jackson Burkett lemming. Mm-hmm. I might be the first Jackson Burkett lemming, actually. I mm-hmm. think I might be. I might be doing the C on my sweater. But like the Tyler O'Neill trade, if I was on TMA, I'd make a certain gesture. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I should do it on 101 ESPN and soil these studios. Uh, there's a Jack Nicholson gif of it, though, from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, if you want to look it up. Um, what was your second question? About Shohei Otani. Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't really have a passionate opinion on it. It's not much to like be passionate about. I see people are upset about, like, not upset, but like commenting on how much it is. It's like, well, it's the Dodgers' choice to give them what they want. The angles on that I will talk about that are more interesting to me. Like, I think at this time last year, we kind of thought he would wind up with the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, so the, the the dollars invested are of note to me. I was watching Ken Rosenthal. He does a podcast. I think he calls it Fair Territory. There's Foul Territory with A.J. Pruszynski, and then there's Fair Territory with Ken Rosenthal, even though Rosenthal appears on both. And I watched that this morning before coming into the studio. 
to see what he had to say about it. He said, this, is an, this, this shows that baseball's in great shape. I just disagree with that. And I think that's kind of where you were going with like how the EPL and mm-hmm. the teams that spend money. That angle's interesting. And then also the misreporting that went on with that story. Yes. Like to break it down, nobody in St. Louis ever thought Shohei Otani was coming here. I think it's interesting that Steve Cohen of the Mets said his agent didn't even call me. That just—I would say, well, that strikes me as bad negotiating. But that the man received seven hundred million dollars, <laughs> right. so I doubt he's really upset with his agent. Yeah. But God, if there's one guy you call, it's Steve Cohen, right? Uh, to uh, see if you can drive the price up. Uh, but he just wanted to play on the West Coast, and hey, God bless him. And he's going to play for a team that he knows is going to be competitive. And I think that was a source of frustration with the uh, the Angels uh, down the freeway a bit in uh, the Los Angeles area. So, with that said, um, I think I th- how many teams in baseball could I'm not even saying would could give out that contract. Four, and I know we five. and I know we don't know the answer, but they, but it's in that ballpark range. It's probably a little higher than that. But then that is that isn't a good thing for baseball. Now the Otani contract is not the moment where you go. Hold on a second. The system's messed up. That's been the case for a while. Rosenthal used the number of teams from Major League Baseball who have won a World Series since 2000 being higher than the number of teams in the NBA, NHL, and NHL. And I, for the record, I know Ken personally. I don't know him real well, but uh, he was at Joe Strauss's memorial service, and uh, you know he's a regular on TMA at a time. So I'm, I'm, I've gotten to know him. So this isn't like, I don't like Rosenthal, and let me hear him out here. I just disagree with his premise. Uh, I especially don't, like if he were my attorney and his responsibility was to defend baseball, I wouldn't like that argument. Mm-hmm. I think that's more coincidental. I think what would be intriguing is what teams led the regular season in wins mm. over the last 23 years and the breakdown of differences there. Right. Because as he acknowledges in his podcast this morning, he does not like the baseball postseason, but he used the, the fact that there have been 16 different world champions since 2000 with only the Cardinals, Red Sox, and Giants having more than one. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that is the largest number of World Series winners uh, of any of the four major sports leagues to say that baseball's in great shape, I just, I just disagree with that. Um, I think baseball also, unlike the NFL, for sure, and it's not like I'm a big NFL fan per se, you have a number of teams even now who you know cannot compete next year. And so I just, I, I don't think it's in a great place. Um, and I disagree with that, but I also know that Ken loves the game. And when you love something, oftentimes you will spin things to favor that which you love. Um, with regards to the way that it was reported on Friday, since I was sitting in bed, uh, I was going, oh, wow, Tani's going to the Blue Jays. I kind of figured he'd wind up with the Dodgers. That's right. interesting. And as it turns out, there were two credible reports, too. One, John Morosi, mm-hmm. uh, and it sucks for Morosi that he's more well-known than the other guy who reported it, because the other guy is right now known as the other guy who reported it. <laughs> right, as we're seeing here at this moment. <laughs> but uh, both reported not that he was necessarily going to sign with the Blue Jays, but that he was en route to or in Toronto. Toronto right. And then Morosi had to issue an apology. Uh, I don't know if he had to, but he chose to, which I respect. Sure. You know, as opposed to like doubling down in media with some false information, uh, as is the case in 2023. Um, 
and in Rosenthal said, listen, I got burned in 2021 with Max Scherzer and the Padres at the trade deadline, and I was wrong. So it's not like I'm in a position to pontificate. But what it does call attention to is tweeting breaking news. And this is something that I've talked a little bit about. Uh, God, I was with somebody the other night, and they were giving me something that I guess would be considered you know, inside information. They go, hey, this is confidential. I'm like... Don't worry about it. I'm not sharing it with, you know, it's just not, that's not the way that I operate. The breaking news on Twitter thing, Rosenthal himself, and here's a guy who you would think is probably one of the, you know, Wojbaum, Shams, Schefter. He's in that ilk yes. of, of reporters scoopers. breaking stories. Yeah, scoopers. Yeah. And he's going, I've kind of thought about it, and I don't even really know what the point of it is. And I go, oh my God, this is great. Yeah. That that he's having this realization, you know, Mm -hmm. he goes, so I like to actually focus on stories that people can't break. He goes, because I've thought about it. And the downside of it is, is, you know, you, it lives with you forever. Um, And he said, what happened with Otani and the Toronto thing is a byproduct of people rushing to get something first on Twitter. And as I've said before, and you can say, well, that becomes their brand and then they can get jobs well, as quickly as you can get a job for it, as soon as somebody else becomes the darling of the agent or the athletic director or the GM or the president of Bay or the owner, uh, then you no longer are the guy. It is such a dangerous... There, Listen, there are so many things from my standpoint that... And I mean dangerous. This isn't like sports talk radio hyperbole. Dangerous with media at this moment that actually are dangerous, that are well beyond the world of sports. Well, like things that actually matter. Um, and Twitter and a lack of accountability, which was, I was so happy that Doug Gottlieb was on the receiving end of litigation. Yeah. Um, not because I have anything against Doug Gottlieb for that Freddie Friedman report. Yeah. That there are actually penalties when you go and make something up or pass something off that is false as truth. Uh, and I think that Twitter in particular has allowed it, but social media in general, but it's been going on in media and it's not social media. It's print and television and radio and podcasting and there's no accountability for it. That you get into a spot where people are passing off falsehoods with zero downside. And in this case, people got burned. And uh, I would imagine Morosi will be more careful going forward. But I don't think he necessarily did it maliciously. You just get caught up in, I've got to get this first. I got to get it out first. I got to get it out first. And it is a dangerous thing when you have people with perceived credibility passing off that which is not credible. And that's what wound up happening on Friday with the Otani thing. It certainly is not a life-altering thing for the vast majority of people, with the exception of those who bought tickets to the opener for the Blue Jays and or bet on the Blue Jays last year, which is the case. That did happen. But as far as, like, uh, impacting millions of people's lives... It's not necessarily in that category, but I just find what goes on right now with a lack of accountability for passing off false information uh, to be, you know, or being in the pockets. Yeah. And that goes on in the world of sports media uh, in the sense that, you know, and I, and, I, and I talk about this and in my world, I know it to be the case, not that it's with everybody. But people wonder, like oftentimes local reporters will catch hell yeah. as to why they're not the ones breaking stories. Man, what does it say for our local reporters that, you know, 
so-and-so broke the story. Well, here is the reason why that happens. And I know if you've listened to me on TMA, and maybe I've said it on 101 before, uh, it's, it's redundant, but I think it's important to restate it. It's done because the person, and there are only a handful of people with the information at that time, go to take your pick of whichever reporter, and it's like a currency. Yeah. It's essentially like a mob movie, but with <laughs> sports journalism. Right. You take care of me, I'll take care of you. And the way that take your pick of whatever reporter is breaking the story gets to take care of them. And again, this is not all reporters. I want to emphasize this is by writing either positive reports or leaking information. They don't necessarily know it's a leak that can be helpful to the individual giving them the, the tip. It's it's a game. Um, so if you are a national reporter, that is the way you exist. So when people give our local reporters or Kansas City's local reporters or Indianapolis's local reporters, take your guess. Man, why is John Heyman breaking this? Or is why is you know Ken Rosenthal breaking this? Or why is Pete Thamel breaking this? Adam Schefter, take your pick, whomever. Well, that's the game. It's a currency. It's an, I'll give you information as long as you give me. You know, that kind of deal. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the game. Right. That's how people get the stories. It's not everybody. There is a lot of work that comes with it. What's unfortunate is the downside is if you get one wrong because you are used like a pawn, as Rosenthal said he was with the Max Scherzer thing, mm-hmm. the Padres, it then stays with you for the rest of your career. And he said, that's why I've decided I don't really tweet that stuff out anymore. I may tweet. He goes, what's the point of tweeting something out that everybody's going to have in a few minutes anyway? Right. It's not like we get something right. for it. Like Otani posted a picture of the LA Dodger logo on his Instagram. And, and that's, that was, I would tell you that's a tell. Right. That's how, that's how it was done like we have been all the speculation all the talk about you know the very low-key negotiations away from winter meetings and it ultimately ended with Otani posting a picture of LA the Dodger logo on his Instagram and then everyone had it that was it and off he goes so the Cardinals will open up the season against Mookie Betts Freddie Friedman and uh, Shohei Otani that'll be who Sonny Gray faces first assuming it's Sonny Gray as the Cardinal number one starter uh, all right, I, we'll take a break. Jeremy Rutherford's going to join us at 1045. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you on the program. Jeremy Rutherford joining us in about five minutes. Jackson, we're giving away tickets to Def Leppard and Journey for the best text Today, 314-399-9646 is how you can text. And give me a quick hitter from the weekend wrap-up, and then we'll break for uh, JR. All right, I got a quick hitter. I told you before that you uh, you fell ill that I was doing one for them, and I was going to do one for uh, oh, okay. one for me, and this is the one for me. I've been saving it up. So I can probably go use the restroom here. This no. is NBA in-season tournament? Yes, but it has a much broader view. It has a much broader view. Oh, boy. 
The NBA in-season tournament has proven to be a success despite some pushback early in its conception and its rollout with its wild-looking Now, when you courts. say proven, I assume there are some numbers you can back that up with, like Absolutely. ratings or attendance or yes. something like that? Okay. Yes. The goal was to increase viewership during a part of the season where football usually dominated a portion of their viewer base. They have seen early success in that venture as they have seen a 26% increase in viewership with national games and 20% with local games, and that's all before the knockout stages. Still waiting on those knockout stage numbers. The atmosphere is not quantifiable data, but anyone who has watched would agree that the feel of these games has been awesome. Do you think that this is something baseball and hockey should consider as well during the early parts of their season where football for hockey and playoff basketball and hockey for baseball take a big chunk of sports viewers? What is the downside? I don't know. I'm I'm open to it. I don't really feel strongly. I, you do, so go ahead. <laughs> I just I just I think it's a great idea. I don't see why I think baseball in the beginning where it has playoff hockey and baseball or basketball so will they subtract from the number of regular season games? Nope. So then that means you're playing baseball games like further into November. That no, would no. be it. Would it would be they would okay? I, I misheard uh, your question. It would they would be regular season games, just okay. like the NBA. Got it. There's no extra games besides the championship got game it, was an it, extra got game. It, got for it, the got NBA. it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So I just don't see that. Even if you think like, oh, it's goofy or has no prestige to it, if it's increasing viewership and bring more attention to your sport. And so the Lakers won it. Yes, they beat the Pacers. Yes. What do the Lakers get? Each player gets $500,000. And while you might say, oh, these guys are super millionaires and that doesn't mean anything to them, first of all, 500000 for one game is no, you know, to sneeze at. And for guys who don't make that amount of money, guys who make Did the one, Pacers two, get anything for losing? I do not believe so. Okay. I do not believe so. They might get something because they played an extra game just based on their compensation, but I'm not positive on that. But I mean, if you're a two way player, who only makes seven hundred fifty k a year? Five hundred thousand dollars is a major, major amount of money. Even if it's half that, it's a major amount of money. So I, I think the incentive would be there and increase the atmosphere. We've seen what baseball tournaments with the World Baseball Classic can prove. I mean, the atmosphere is awesome for that. I I, mean, I, I have no issue with it. Right. I have no issue with it. So it makes you happy. Yeah, I just I, I I can tell you're really, really on board. I just see people be like, oh, it's so dumb and goofy because people are resist- resistant to change as as human nature, but. I just don't see a downside if it brings more attention to it. And it, I don't think it was any mistake that the Saturday in-season tournament championship. I, I like, but as a fan, what, like what a Lakers fan get? Like, okay, so the guys who already most likely have net worths of right. seven figures at a minimum uh, got $500,000. Like, as a fan, what do they care? The atmosphere the was awesome. It, are the Lakers getting something? The NBA Cup, the little trophy. And, uh, I mean, they got their best player, Anthony, or one of their best players, Anthony Davis, to go out and score 41 points with 20 boards. I know, I but if you're a fan that. of the team, like, what does it do for you? It's a, just another, it's a feather in your cap. Okay. And well, I, hey, people obviously cared based on the atmosphere. I'm just kind of surprised by that. Yeah, and that's and that's why I think took a lot of people as surprised that the f- players actually care, because competition, you know, at their base, players these guys are caring, I get it, but I'm talking about the fan. Like, why would, as a fan, would you care? Like, does it help you for the postseason, or does it help you for the, you know? No. Yeah, and that's what I'm asking. I just, like, I think the with, Cardinals win the in-season tournament. Oh, nice. What happens? Now back to the series against the Pirates. I don't know. I think it, it'll take some time to build some prestige. Like, fans in Europe, all these soccer leagues have in-season There's tournaments. There's a lot of cups. Multiples, and it, it takes some time. Those have been going on for hundreds of years. But once they build up a little prestige, there is some bragging rights to it, I think. And I think it's great for non teams that might not make a run for the championship get a chance to have a lot of playoff atmospheres at their home arenas without the playoffs necessarily. All right. Well, we're going to ask JR some questions. Maybe we'll pepper him with that one, Jackson. Yeah, I don't see why not. I got a lot for him. He's coming up next. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're 
right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Now, Jackson, I know this is a segment you historically take off. Mentally. Right. But you have one responsibility before we hand it off to BK and Ferrari on that is to find the text to give the text of the day for the tickets to Def Leppard. I actually found it. In Journey. Okay, well, there you go. So we'll have that before we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our pleasure to welcome to the program the great Jeremy Rutherford. Morning, JR. Whoops. Hi, JR. Okay, make that two responsibilities. <laughs> two responsibilities. JR, we're wonderful. How are you? Fine, fine, sir. Doing well, and glad to hear you're uh, back up in Adam. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I I was curious on. I was texting with. Uh, you know, you remember the great Kevin Lorenz, and I texted with him sure. quite a bit about uh, the Blues. And I said, my senses, but you will be able to answer this accurately since you receive mail and messages and comments and all that under your stories. That this is the peak disenfranchisement for this particular. Blues team at this moment. And it wasn't necessarily the loss to Vegas, but the losses to Columbus and Chicago and the way that they went down and the comments after the game. I feel like people who might have been at peace a week ago with the season kind of just being middling, I feel like now there is some anger for the first time this year. Is that a good read? What are you getting? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's been some anger for sure prior to, but I think that this felt like something. And I, you know, when you look at these two losses after you mentioned the Vegas win, you know, to me, the losses against Columbus and Chicago felt like the beginning of something. Like, you don't want to say the beginning of the end in reference to Craig Berube, the staff, but it feels like the beginning of something. Like, Doug Armstrong has made it clear that he wants to be competitive in this retool. But at some point, you have to realize who you are and go that direction. And I think that's what I'm getting from some of the fan base. And so if you're going to be a team that's not going to be able to compete, you're going to be a team that's going to lose to Columbus and and Chicago on back-to-back nights. You're going to be a team where Braden Chen comes out and says, you know, some guys are just playing when they want to then this is the start of something. This is the start of either uh, they need to figure out what they have in the locker room and they need to make some decisions based on what their future is. I, uh, I'm curious about the, the, the comments that we've heard, both from Baruby and Shen over, over the weekend. Uh, what do you make of those uh, with regard to picking and choosing when to compete? I felt like Braden Shen, when you listen to that soundbite, he was biting his tongue to not say more uh, during that, that exchange. And how does this situation compare to the old lack of buy-in days from Ken Hitchcock's era? Yeah, but maybe similar. But I think in analyzing what they said this time with uh, Baruby and Shen Tim, I think Baruby said that uh, something that uh, I was thinking about too is they're trying to feel the game out. What type of game is this going to be? And I will respond accordingly. If this is going to be this type of game, you know, then I need to do this. Well, you can't do that in the NHL, like Braden Shen followed up Craig Baruby saying. And you have to go out and play the style that you, you play, that you practice that you're capable of, and we've been up front. We've talked about this all year. I think people need to evaluate this team not based on being a Stanley Cup team, not even necessarily being a, a second, third-round playoff team. 
you know, people need to evaluate this team as it's a retool. Doug Armstrong went out and bought spare parts. That's what he did to put this team together. There's a reason why some of these teams didn't want these players and let them go, and not only let them go, but paid part of their salary to let them go. So that's what this team is. But it still has shown that it can be competitive when it wants to play. And to me, there's a fundamental issue there when we're into December and we're talking about the captain saying that uh, they play when they want to play. So, you know, I, I still think this team can be a team that can make the playoffs. But when you have issues like this that are going to linger, I think this one, this is when it gets to become a bigger problem. And this is what ties into what I said just a bit ago is what is your future? Figure out who you are. And, and Tim, I'll, I'll kind of wrap that thought up by saying this. When you look at the future of the Blues, when I watch games, it's not necessarily what was the score last night? What did the power play do? What did this guy do? Oh, he screwed up again. To me, it's a situation you look at the big picture. What are the foundational guys doing? What are the guys like Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Colton Preco, the guys that are going to be here past two, three, four right. years from now? What are they doing, Tim? And, and then secondly, what's the culture like? Are they creating a culture that you can bring in a Snuggerud and a Dvorsky, and this thing can build? If they're not doing that, then those changes have to be made. Uh, what do you see as a long-term issue with some of the players in question? So not necessarily talking about the ones that you were just making reference to, but a long-term issue with, with some of these guys who are in question at the moment. Well, I just think right now you have a roster, as we touched on, that's uh, you know kind of a hodgepodge roster. It's it's guys who were brought in on questionable contracts. It's guys that you perhaps could not unload like we saw with uh, Tory Krug in the summertime with the no trade. And I think it's trying to fill the roster to be competitive when you bring in a Kevin Hayes and a Vrana and a Kapanen. And on some nights like we've seen, it's going to work. But, you know, long term, you know, like I said, I think you focus on the names that we just touched on and a few of the other guys and you have to stay on them and make sure that they're playing the game the right way. But what can happen in this situation, and we've seen it go sideways with other coaches in the past, is if, if the situation just becomes too toxic, then all of a sudden not, are you, not only are you not competing and, and trying to, to make a playoff this season, but you've got to change the coach. You've got to change the staff. You've got to move young guys that you thought were going to be part of this thing that are just not part of it. So it's just if this thing continues in this direction, that's when these key decisions are going to have to be made by Doug Armstrong on you, what they need to do this season. Do you think it is at a point where they may be considering changes, whether it be assistant coaches or with Craig Berube, or is it at that point that that starts getting momentum? You know, it could quickly because in the past when you say that it's not, and I think that Craig Berube can still be the guy to be the head coach of this team and his staff, you can say that and things could change quickly because of guys not grabbing it and playing the way they're capable of and doing their job. And so it becomes a situation where the GM has no choice. He's just got to make changes. Also, when you're evaluating this situation, you know, there's things that just aren't getting better, like the power play, uh, you know, things that the assistant coaches are in charge of. And if it gets to a point where Doug Armstrong says, okay, I can't move contracts. I'm also not going to be able to move guys with six, seven, eight years left on their deals. You know, this is what we have to do. So I personally still feel like Craig Ruby and his staff can get the job done. But 
if these types of things continue to be seen, you know, playing so poorly against bad teams and these bad starts, then you just get to that point where it's it's going to be inevitable. Uh, one final thing here, Jr. Well, last year we talked about the room and how you know with the situation with Cairo and Thomas getting big deals, and the free agents that were Tarasenko, O'Reilly, and people going, "How come they're getting money? We're not getting our money," and it created a, a fractured room. Uh, what insight can you give, if you can give any, into the state of the room? Shen says it's fine. Um, what is what is your read on the current status of the room? Yeah, and the room to me seems fine. And I always preface that by saying, "Look, I'm not in there. Right? It's it's a, it's a limited viewpoint in terms of I'm not in there." Do you talk to guys and and do you have a vibe? Do you have a sense? You know, when you're talking to guys, yeah, I feel like Shen said that the room can be fine. Do they think there are two or three, four players that could be working harder and picking picking up the slack you know, better? I think so, yeah. But I don't think this is a situation like the past couple of years or even 2018, 19, before they got on a roll in January. Like, that room was not good in November, December, and, and, and they came together and saw that they had an opportunity to win and put it together. Uh, but then, yeah, last year you had the contract situation with Kairou Thomas. You had Tarasenko on an island. I don't think any of that is there. I felt like since day one in training camp, this team felt like it could compete and and try to play for a playoff spot. But, Tim, you know, once it's not working, then you start to, you know, whether it be finger pointing or, you know, trying to bite your lip in the postgame comments, that's when this stuff starts to take off. I've seen it before. JR with us every Monday here on Balloon Party, every Wednesday on TMA and throughout the week on 101 ESPN. Always appreciate it, fine sir. Thank you so much. Yep, thanks, Tim. There he is, Jeremy Rutherford with us here on 101 ESPN. Jackson, do you have the winner of these Def Leopard Journey and Cheap Trick tickets? I do, I do. Uh, this is Ron from Fenton, and I'm not infallible. He makes a great point about the in-season tournament. The difference with European soccer leagues, they don't have a postseason tournament to decide the champ. It's based on the in-season win-loss record. I can see how in-season tournaments work over there. I don't see what the relevance is when you have a postseason tournament to decide the champ. And I think, you know what? That's a fair... It is a great point. It's a it's very... kind of... Ron's doing a better... Ron, maybe you should host the program because it's kind of what I was trying to ask. Not mocking... Sure. So, hey, you love basketball. God bless. I just don't get like why a fan would be like, oh, sweet, we won the in-season tournament. But clearly people were invested in it. I'm just trying to figure out the why. The atmosphere. It's less about the actual outcome of it and getting great atmosphere in basketball in December when you would never get that usually. Right, but I, and I understand that. I feel like I, this is like the who's on first thing. But I don't know why the atmosphere was so good. Like, why did they care? Because I think it's cause and effect. The players are competing harder than they would in a regular season game in December, and okay. therefore the fans respond. All right. You you would know better than me, so I shall yield to you. Jackson and I are going to go to QFTA uh, YouTube over to uh, youtube.com slash TMASTL. We'll be doing that coming up at 1130. Any question is welcome. And, and it's non-sports, but you can send in hate mail, Tima Kernan at InsideSTL.com. Any question, any anything. It's a free-for-all is what it is. It's about an hour, hour and a half long podcast. Jackson, sometimes four-hour long podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and it's on the Tima Kernan Show podcast feed, which is separate from TMA and Balloon Party. Time for us Shut it down. BK and Ferrario are up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota on 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.